What's up, y'all? This is Dr. Craig Waleed, your host here on the Prison to Promise podcast, where I explore strategies formerly incarcerated people use to avoid returning to prison. On this episode, I'm joined by none other than the good brother, Aline Flowers. In 1997, as a minor, Halim was arrested and wrongfully sentenced to two life sentences in Washington, D.C. His experiences aired on HBO in the Emmy Award-winning documentary, Thug Life in D.C. In 2019, he got out of prison under a new juvenile life and resentencing law. Today, Halim describes himself as a manufacturer of culture. For two decades, Halim forged and galvanized his skills and talents as a visual artist, spoken word performer, businessman, and author of 11 published nonfiction works in the pressure cooker of prison. This brother's dope, y'all. In this episode, me and Halim talk about how, despite being handed two life sentences, he leaned into his humanity, transcended prison and its expectations and develop the audacity to have hope and the will and desire to fight to reclaim his life. This episode is a must-listen-to episode, y'all. But brother, I am doing very well, um, and I'm doing even better now that I'm uh, sharing a bit of virtual space and time with you. Um, how are you doing, brother? I'm blessed, man. I'm present, you know, um, thankful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think um, you echo my exact sentiments. Each morning I wake up and I'm thinking, you know, I'm blessed, I'm upright. I'm sucking in some oxygen um, and I'm not behind that wall anymore. You know, I have an opportunity to, to live my life. But um, I want to tell you, good brother, I'm really excited about this opportunity to talk with you today. Um, and I'm so excited because um, I think that you epitomize what I'm aiming to do with this podcast here called the Prison to Promise podcast which is to essentially highlight the successes of people who have emerged from behind the wall, you know? And I think that uh, what I know about your journey just from reading about you um, is a template or a blueprint um, that other people who've been in our situations or worse can read, um, listen to, and hopefully help them find their way, help illuminate a path for them. So once again, thank you, brother, for this time. So um, I guess I just want to kick it right off, man, because maybe some people don't know who you are and you know know much about what you have been through and what you're doing. So perhaps just for our listeners, man, uh, if you can introduce yourself, tell folks who you are, where you're from. Yeah, my name is Harleen Flowers, um, <clears throat> Harleen Flowers. From Washington, born in Washington, D.C., um, 1980. Um, I'm, I like to describe myself as a manufacturer of culture. 
Because if I sell people, I'm an artist, then um, a lot of times if they see that I paint, then they'll just think, you know, he's a painter. So, um, and then sometimes I go into certain establishments, you say, you know, you're an artist and they ask you, are you a rapper, right? So I like to say that I'm a manufacturer of culture because cultural assets are like books, uh, poetry, um, paintings, clothes, sneakers, all of these things are cultural assets that not only add value mm -hmm. uh, to, to humanity, but also um, they appreciate and value with time. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, just um, that's what I do. I do paintings, um, I publish books, do talks, um, design clothes and sneakers and any anything that I can use to um, to add to the to culture, humanity, you know, in a, in a graceful and a loving way. So that's pretty much who I am. And then my background in relation to the podcast is at the age of 16 in 1997, um, falsely convicted of a murder, or really just being an aider and a better of a murder. Mm. And um, at the age of 16 and going to trial, getting convicted and receiving two indeterminate life sentences. And um, just pretty much after that, my experiences as a juvenile um, was captured in a documentary titled uh, Thug Life in DC. It aired on HBO, I think in 98, 99, won an Emmy Award. And, um, and from that point on, you know, um, I just was really just uh, fighting to better myself and definitely fighting the to have my liberties restored and be vindicated of my false convictions. And um, so I lived in the law library, the chapel and the gym, spirituality and physical fitness definitely were two uh, great components uh, to, my, to my transcendence. Um, Cause I, I don't like to say that I survived prison. I think I transcended the environment mm. and, um, and transcended people's expectations. I mean, you know, people thought that just because of, you know you were handed down an edit that says that you're a lifer, yeah. that you would accept it, and mm -hmm. I never accepted it, and I and I and I pushed back against it. I leaned into my humanity, and um, after 22 years and a lot of motions and briefs, and started my own publishing company. I published 11 books when I was in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, wrote thousands of letters, and um, through that writing, connected with some some prominent individuals and um and organizations to help get the law changed in dc for um juvenile offenders so the law was changed to allow anyone who was convicted of a crime under the age of 18 to be resentenced and released after serving 20 years so the law happened to pass on my 20th year and then two years later on, on march uh, 21st 2019 uh, i was released um from prison. That's awesome, man. That's an awesome story and, and a touching story. One that I read about, and I, it's even more powerful to hear it coming from your mouth. Um, and in all of that, uh, Brother Halim, one of my questions is, you know, um, what gave you the, the, the audacity or, or the, 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 the confidence, the hope for your freedom, your vindication, your um, ability to reclaim your life? 
first of all, I, I wanted it. Mm -hmm. And second, um, me having that strong desire for it, and I was blessed to uh, attract mentors in my life. Mm -hmm. And um, even guys on the inside, when I came to prison in the late 90s, there were still guys from the 70s and the 80s. Mm -hmm. And these guys in the DC system anyway, uh, were very skilled in, in, in appellate litigation mm -hmm. and civil litigation. And they just had an attitude that you, you would give your time back. Um, and they would always say like, you know, laws change every 20 years. Mm -hmm. But what was unique from my situation compared to theirs, they didn't know because they was like, you know, once you go to the feds, the federal courts, you can get out. Mm -hmm. But what was unique was they wasn't aware that um, of the ramifications of that law that the uh, Clinton signed into act, the Anti-Terrorism and Death Penalty Act. And what that did was it limited the amount of habeas corpus that you could file and put restrictions on uh, federal appellate litigation. Mm -hmm. And I understand that now because it was passed like in the late 90s. So, um, the guys who had been in the feds in the seventies and eighties, the they hadn't came up against that yet. Right. So, um, so when I did go to the feds in the two thousands, I was facing a different animal mm -hmm. than they faced. So, um, legally anyway. So, but I had great mentors who, uh, man, they gave me some great books to read, some great movies to watch, some great music to listen to that soulful music that, that, you know, and I think like the real catalyst for me, um, it's like when I went to, to the state prison when I was 17, after I was sentenced, um, it was a guy named Bumpsy. He gave me a book called Salt, Solid. He came to my cell and he was like, man, um, you know, he's like, he, he used to hear me rap on the team. He's like, man, you sound smart, man. And I hear you rap. You know, he was like, have, have you ever heard of George Jackson? And I was like, is he some Ken of Michael Jackson? And he was like, nah, he laughed, right? He said, man, here, read this book. And he gave me Solid Air, brother. And me reading that book, it just changed my whole perspective of life, of myself, of the world. Um, it gave me hope that it gave me an example and a mentor of someone who was in the same predicament as me, serving an indeterminate life sentence as a teenager um, who was able to touch the world. So from that point on, I always figured if George could do it, I could do it. Because Marcus Garvey said, um, whatsoever man has done, man could do. That's right. So George really gave me that that hope. And that 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 is what I needed at the beginning of the journey to really like to put that culture inside of myself um, to fight and to, to study and to use my mind, um, not only to liberate myself, but others. Right. Right. Because this journey is really about helping others, man. It makes me think about the ant kingdom. You know how ants, they, they're not only working to uh, prolong their life, but they're working to help the entire colony, you know, but that's powerful, man, again, and um, I so relate with what you're talking about, though I wasn't facing an indeterminate sentence, you know, I had a four to 12 when I did eight on it, and um, I went in when I was 19, and one of the books that definitely helped change my perception was Solidad Brother, as well as Blood in My Eyes, um, and then um as, as uh, many people would attest, also the, the autobiography of Malcolm X, you know, and I thought as you did about George, you know, if Malcolm could do it, change his life, I could do it as well.
But one of the things you also mentioned that I, I found very powerful was the, the, the uh, mentioning of mentorship. You know, I know for me, um, I didn't get um, really solid mentoring until I found myself in prison. And that's when I found the best mentorship. And it was those men inside the penitentiary that helped enlighten me and direct my path. So um, I think that is a powerful piece that you're sharing and wondering if you can maybe just talk a little bit about the importance of having mentorship for people who are at risk of going to prison or people who are in prison, as well as people who are returning to the community. I think mentorship is just, it's universal. Um, you can remove the prison or the criminal legal system aspect and you could just make it universal. Um, yeah. Even me to this day, like right now, um, being out for three years and have had some what people could call success yeah. in the world commercially, mm -hmm. but now um, seeking to go to the next level, yeah. um, it makes it easier for me to, to have people who I can call, who I can go meet and talk to them and be like, okay, how to how do now now how do I move corporate? You know, and they be like, okay, yeah, I did this. I did set up the LLC and the S Corp and the trust fund, and you do this and this, and then you do the pitch deck for your venture capital. I mean, I've read it, mm -hmm. I know I've heard, watched the videos, but actually having someone that you can see, that you can touch and feel, right, and, and, and connect with, who has manifested whatever it is that you desire in life. Mm -hmm. is important because um, you can get a book or you can watch a YouTube video, um, a tutorial, but having human people in your life who have already done what you yeah. want to do or who are doing it, it just makes whatever you want to do in life so much important than the prison, put the prison component back to it. Um, you know, uh, those who live in uh, lifestyles who can increase their probability of landing in prison. Um, it's important for them to have someone in their community, in their household, you know, in their immediate circle, who probably has been through what they've been through um, in, in a criminal lifestyle before, yeah. that they can see like, oh, nah, like, I can't say that they don't know what I'm going through. Like, I know they went through what I went through and more and, and went to prison and they got out and I see them doing good so now them showing me and, and, and breathing on me um i could circumvent the prison process and just get to doing good and that, and that's the same way for people in prison you get in there you don't really know what's going on it's a whole new world and you want to be safe that's the first thing and having proper mentorship on how to be safe um and how to use your time as an asset and not a liability yeah. uh, whereas though it could be used to your your benefit when you get out, when you're done with your time, having people on the inside who you see how they move, they, they, they're respected, they're safe, no one bothers them, they don't bother anyone. And mm -hmm. then you, you know, and then you start seeing them get out before you, they keep in contact with you, they give you the ins and outs. Like when you get out, don't do this, go here, do that. And um, it makes it easier for you. So for me, my success was easy for me because a lot of my mentors got out before me. And then they stayed in contact with me, you know, and a lot of the, um, the, the a lot of the uh, trials and tribulations that they went through with getting an ID or social yeah. security or a passport or getting all parole and probation, they went through it before me. 
So when it was my time, I just was like, pop, 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 pop. So everybody was like, man, how are you able to do that so fast? Like I had those who came before me, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I and I um hey, just had great mentors and I listened. I think that's important that you trust, you know, mentorship is about trust. Yeah. Not only having someone who's successful, but you trust them. Yeah. And through trusting, um, trusting them, they can give you a process to make it easier for you. Mm-hmm. And that's important, you know, because that means like your courage has to be strong to be a mentor. People just want to, I want to get out of prison and work with the youth. Like you might not be equipped to work with the youth. It's not that you're not a good person. It's just that you might not be qualified to work with the youth, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. you need to be qualified so that you will be trusted by the youth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, you drop, man, you just keep dropping like some heavy jewels there, you know, but I'm going to start with what you just ended with, you know, which is knowing that you're qualified or understanding if you are or are not qualified to do what you have to do, which points to my thoughts about knowing oneself, having knowledge of self, mm-hmm. you know, how important is knowledge of self, you think? Um, You know, we live in a today like when we were growing up we had like peer influence immediate immediate community environmental peer influence people you know people in your block people in your community people you go to school with um but now we have like this social media yeah so children are being influenced by people who they may never see who may not even really be who they portray to be and, and on this, you know, in this social media world. So um, when you don't have a strong sense of self, like awareness of self, like who you are, you know, what's, what's, what's your personality types? What's your constitution? Mm. Like America has a constitution, but what's, right. what's your uh, moral compass that you've developed for yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't know these things um, and you're dealing with all of these different influences and influences right mm-hmm. through on your phone or on your ipad and then the immediate environment um co-workers and things of that nature um you you can constantly find yourself being pulled and by other people's uh direction mm-hmm. and i think that strong sense of self that awareness that knowledge itself is that like i know who i am mm-hmm. i know who i am um I'm, 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 I have an integrity to be honest with myself about myself and with others about myself. Mm-hmm. And I know what I want out of life. Yeah. And I know my purpose. Yeah. When I know myself, I know my purpose. And when you know your purpose, you can move through life um, with so much, with so much um, precision. Yeah, man. Because like you wake up and you go to sleep and you know what you want to do with yourself. Mm-hmm. And you won't be easily deterred, yeah. Because you, 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 your fuel is purpose. And I see now so many people. Um, because I was talking to one of my mentors this weekend. My wife and I, we went to his estate, in um, in California, and he was just talking to my wife and his sister about why he invested in me, mm. right, and why he, you know, believed in me. And just through meeting me one time and how we've been over the course of three years, mm-hmm. um, 
just, you know, been in constant contact and he just been investing and pouring into me. He was just like, man, a lot of people say they want things in life, but they don't really know who they are. And they don't, they're not really sure what they want. He was like, because he's a venture capitalist. He's like, I meet people all the time who have ideas and ventures, but he knew what he wanted. Speaking about, he knew what he wanted and he he knew himself and him knowing himself and he knew directly what he wanted. He said the last part for, for me in investing in anyone, whether it's a business or a friendship, is um, do they have the will, mm. right? Do they have the will to 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 uh to be mm-hmm. what they want in a world that's trying to convince you to be everything else right what's trending what's popular you know like mm-hmm. do you have the will to ride it through mm-hmm. and being yourself and mm-hmm. making yourself popular yeah or trendy or valuable you know yeah. making people see your value yeah you know because yeah. you're an entrepreneur like you know, whatever you bring to the market, whether it's you getting paid to do a talk or whether you selling some sneakers or you selling a painting, you have, you're going up against all of these global competition. Yeah. Like world full of painters and designers and speakers and people who've been incarcerated before. And, you know, like, so you have to have that, that knowledge itself that, you know what, in the midst of all these other people, Mm-hmm. I still have value. Yeah. And, that, and that's what it takes to survive prison. Yeah. You have to believe that you have value because you have the strongest government in the world. You're 16 and the strongest government in the world, right? With the most powerfulest military. Mm-hmm. And you're from DC, so you're right there. You know, right. you, you know the, 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 the trifecta of power, you know, the Federal Reserve, the White House, the Capitol, mm-hmm. Pentagon, and things like that. So, um, and they're telling you, you're done, right? You're done. So for you to be like, I'm going to study the law and I'm going to appeal and I'm going to read books and write, I'm going to better myself mm-hmm. and I'm going to get out and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. The, the guys in the administration looking at you like, what you want to come to this job fit for? You a lifer. Right. You're like, man, I ain't a lifer. Yeah. Kid, what they say? I got, I have awareness of myself Mm. I have, I know that I'm a human being with value and mm. I have something to contribute to the world through yes. this experience. Yes, I'm sir. going to make this experience that you're looking at me like I'm not worthy to go to the mock job fairs and because these are these are for the guys that's getting out within the next six months. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get out. Like every year I'd be like, man, let me go. I'm going to get out. And they just start letting me go. Yeah. It's like, man, just go because the guys that's getting out don't want to go anyway. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? These resources are under underused in these in these places. Right. So to me, that's like the importance of awareness and self, you know, knowledge itself, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's dope, man. You know, and I think that awareness of your value and your purpose helps you to avoid being crushed or overcome by some of these uh, global forces that you talked about, you know. Um, and it also gives us a sense of uh, who we are not when we know who we are or who we want to become, which yeah. allows us to stay in our lane and become all that we can become. You know, I want to go back just a little bit, man, because you talked about and you it kind of was encompassed in, in this uh, piece of dialogue that you just shared. But when we talked about mentorship and, you know, you talked about the importance of trust 
and mentoring. And, you know, I'm thinking about just the power of relationships in and of themselves. A mentorship is a relationship between the mentor and the mentee. But yet the most powerful relationships are built off of trust. And again, it takes me back to what I talked about when I mentioned the ants, you know, the ants, they trust each other. They know each other, you know, and there's this small group of, or a large group of small entities that do some uh, magnificent and powerful things based upon their, their cooperative uh, uh, efforts. And so I think about the mentor and the mentee and how they cooperate. And that helps the mentee as well as the mentor become more um, capable in whatever it is that they're set, setting out to do. So mm-hmm. just wanted to, you know, just highlight that and lift that up, man, because I think that's powerful on these pieces that you're dropping. You know, um, I want to just ask a couple more things for you to touch on, man, um, before we get out of here, because, again, I know time is precious and there's only, you know, a finite amount of time in our days and there's things that we have to do. But I um, wanted to um, ask you if you can um, maybe just talk briefly about what do you um, or who do you think were some of your most important supports um, during your time inside this penitentiary as well as since you've been out? And not just who were those supports, Mm -hmm. uh, but how important were those supports for you um, moving forward? Definitely moms, man. You know, and I don't want to downplay dad either. He just, you know, dad just wasn't, dad, man, was very important. I'm, I'm just always good at though, right? Yeah, I'm just hard on him. Yeah. Right? Um, but when I think about it, the guys in the penitentiary be like, man, why are you so hard on your father, man? Like, you the only guy here really got their father that come see him. Like mm. your father come see you, man. He he send you pictures of girls and you know, and um, so you know, through my dad, I got connected to the woman that's my wife today. Yeah. So I always like just put my mother first. Yeah. It's like, you know, I judge my dad so hard, but I just want to, you know, set props out to my dad, you know, because like it'd be unfair to compare him to my mother. My mother's like a superwoman, you know, yeah. and like our mothers are hands down, you know, because I'm a parent now and it's like and I'm a dad, but I'm not like my my wife to my daughter. Like, absolutely. No comparison. Likewise. Um, you know, so. Um, but moms like the constant love, the constant support. Um, like she worked at the Library of Congress. Yeah. So me starting my own publishing company was a little bit easier. Yeah. Because like um, resource material that I may need, she could just go Xerox it at the Library of Congress for me. Um, when I wanted to co- get copyright, she could just go downstairs from her office and. Mm-hmm. talk to her friends and get my stuff expedited, you know, on the copyright um, process. And um, yeah, man. So moms, is, moms, my parents, I had, I had support from my parents. Yeah. And yeah. Moms get that nurturance too, man. Different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but my, my dad, man, he, um, like I said, I'm reconnected with, you know, I, I met my wife through him and he would come see me. And you know, and, and love on me in the best way that he could. Right. And um, we give our and, kids different love than moms do. 
yeah, you know what I'm saying? And, and like what I've realized like now being being um more experienced in my perspective is that um our parents have their own journey. Yes, sir. And um their sole responsibility in life is not all the time just to take care of us. Mm-hmm. Even though society tells us it's supposed to be that way, but some of their journey, some of some people's parents um have journeys that don't include them they yes. some people abandon their kids yeah. for whatever reasons and yeah. um so for me like to have um uh, that constant relationship with my mother and my and, and, and you know a relationship with my dad that i could say was constant um yeah. was important to me for support yeah and then like um because like all of my friends all got locked up mm-hmm. as juvenile life so i didn't have any of my my crew out you know so um so a lot of support that i got was just from my parents and then of course throughout 22 years i met a lot of women mm-hmm. um who like loved on me and supported yeah. me came and visited me wrote me letters sent me pictures so i definitely would like to recognize them as well because um as well as some some uh men because i met like professors and stuff like that who would send me books and stuff, but you know, you ain't gonna be as intimate with a guy right. as you just with a woman. You know, a right. woman gonna come see you and give you a hug and a kiss. And yeah. Whereas though the, the, the guys that I met, you know, they send me books and yeah. things of that nature. So yeah. I had a lot of support. I met a lot of people through my books that I published. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like read newspapers and magazines and get people to send me people addresses and stuff like that. And then I would write a lot of people, you know, I would like write a lot of professors. I'd read an article about a professor and I would just go to the Almanac and just find the university's address and just mm-hmm. write the professors like that. Don't, don't. So I, yeah. And all that, all that different types of support that you mentioned is important, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things though, that you talked about too, was that, that support from the women, you know, getting those hugs, getting those kisses, you know, that's something that's missing in the penitentiary. We don't get touched. And if we do get touched, it ain't the, the type of intimate touches that we want and welcome, you know? So I think that all that is important for our, our mental health, our social health, um, as well as for our physical health. So very powerful, man. Um, two last things, man. Um, one is if you were to, um, encapsulate your journey mm-hmm. in, a, in a title or a sentence or a phrase, what would that be? Transcendence. Transcendence. Yeah, transcendent adversity. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all my life has been about. Um, constant pressure from, from, the, from the introduction to crack cocaine into my home, mm-hmm. uh, through, you know, through family members' addiction in the community um, destroying the people who, who, who were my elders, mm-hmm. um, from that point forward and all the ramifications that came with that mm-hmm. gun violence, you know, um, prison, um, it's been constant pressure. Avert- I'm this is the first time in my life I've ever been comfortable. I've been telling people that this year, like when I bought my house last year, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of like took a little chunk out of me, but it was like financially but I was cool, but it's like, you know, it, I spent a lot of money. So, you know, I was like, okay, I got to grind, grind, you know, yeah. but now like having the house, having liquidity, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
being in like my neighbors, FBI, PG police, DC police. Yeah. Um, I don't never hear gunshots, not unless people probably hunting somewhere. Yeah. Um, Your family's safe. Safe. For the I'm most safe. Part. Yeah. I'm safe, you know, and I've never in my life that I can remember since I was like four, five, four, five maybe, mm. where I lived in a safe neighborhood. Mm. But even when I was four and five, my parents, I wasn't aware of it, but you know, my parents wasn't as financially stable, yeah. but we wasn't poor, poor. Yeah. But I, I wasn't even aware of the dynamics of rich and poor. Mm. I had food to eat, my mom made my own clothes, so as a kid, I was in heaven. And mm-hmm. but from that point, from the age of six to the age of 40, because I got out when I was 38. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I'm not living with nobody. Right. That was my thing. I'm not living with nobody. I get my own place. So my right. wife, my wife had a house. Mm-hmm. And she used to be like, this is our house. I'm like, nah, this is your house. <laughs> it's your house. Yeah. I need to get my house to make my house our house. Right, right on. You can do what you want to do with your house, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, because it was important, because like my wife went to her house yesterday that she rents out now, and a guy got shot and killed mm-hmm. yesterday mm-hmm. in front of the house, and wow. she was like, "This is the first time I've seen somebody die." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, and I used to always mention to her about safety, like even though that that block that you live on is a cool block, but it's in between two. Mm-hmm. project housings and like that stuff can trickle down into this block absolutely you hear the gunshots and you know so yeah. for me it's the first time in my life i mean i've been comfortable nice. and um and it's and i'm learning about myself now mm-hmm. things that because once you get comfortable you start to learn new things because like when you're constantly operating under trauma and pressure, mm-hmm. whether it's mm-hmm. gun violence, poverty, prison, mm-hmm. um, you know, struggling financially to come up, yeah, um, it's tension. Yeah. So once you're comfortable, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I ain't even know I like oysters. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? I ain't even know I like mussels. Yeah, and all kind of different stuff. I ain't even know I like Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't afford to go. Yeah. You know, so it's like, so, you know, I, I can't even remember the question that you asked. Yeah. But, yeah. But I just know, like, um, for the first time in my life, I'm comfortable. And that's 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 dope, man. So the heck with the question I asked. I think what yeah. you had to say, man, is what's most important, you know, and just thinking about, you know, the importance of being comfortable, the importance of feeling safe. I think that allows us to explore um, our own possibilities more because we're not so concerned with survival, food, violence, you know, shelter, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, you want to, you want to, you want to top of the Maslow's pyramid. Why equality? You're absolutely right, brother. And so thanks for putting that in, you know, and I think that that's what we need uh, in order for us to become better people. But unfortunately, I think the way that our society is structured, not everyone's gonna be able to get to those places. So for those of us who are getting there, as you said, when we first began and we agreed upon, I'm blessed, you know, fortunate, I'm feeling great. So we're blessed, man. And I I wanna say, man, thank you for spending the time with me, you know, um, this morning. Uh, My last question for you are, 
um, Brother Halim, is if people want to find out more about your journey, find about find out more about your contributions to culture, um, to get a hold of your books or anything, how can they do that? Um, well, for me, I always just Google search people, right? Likewise. So my, my name, Harleen Flowers, H-A-L-I-M. Mm -hmm. And last name, Flowers, F-L-O-W-E-R-S. So that's like my name on Instagram. Um, I'm an Instagrammer, so I'm definitely accessible there. Um, but when you just Google search my name, it like goes to my Twitter, my Amazon, all my books on Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. YouTube interviews um, at my website. It's my first name with like a slash and my last name dot com. So Harleen uh, hyphen flowers dot com. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, a Google search, that's the beauty about when I was in prison, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna be rich when I get out. They like, Why you say that? I'm like, man, that smartphone. <laughs> man, when I get out there and get to a phone with all that information on it, mm -hmm. And I can connect with people all over the world through social media. Oh man. So, you know, um, yeah. And some just, of them probably didn't believe you. No, nah, most of them did. And yeah. I understand why. Um, yeah, me too. I understand why, you know, just like when I go into an establishment and um, this happens a lot. Like they'll ask me, did I see the prices before I came in? And I might ask for the fish of the day and they'd be like, you know, that's, that's $32. You okay with that? And I'm like, damn, do you ask everybody that? Or is it just me? Because, you know, because if you're black and you're not corporate looking, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if I don't have on a suit, I'm not clean shaven. Yeah. Um, I'm, my voice is not, uh, my vernacular is not uh, what people consider more proper English. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. would say, like, I don't talk like I'm white, right? I don't think it's right. they're talking like you're white. I just don't have a vernacular that's... Um, that uh, European American people have. Mm -hmm. I have a very, very Southern draw yeah. and, and I embrace it. Um, yes, sir. It's me and uh, I'm not corporate, I'm an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But just because I wear luxury streetwear clothing mm -hmm. and I have a you know non-corporate um, continents, it doesn't mean I don't have money. Right, and or intelligence. I, right, and I encounter that a lot, you know what I'm Absolutely. saying? But you had to even deal with that with grace too. Absolutely. So for me, it's like, um, yeah. So that's what people pretty much could find me at, man. I'm I'm everywhere. YouTube. I even started a TikTok page. I don't even know how to use it yet, but I posted two things on there, man. And um, dope, man. It's a lot to come soon, man. It's a lot coming soon. So just stick. You know, I'll be doing some with Warner Brothers, God willing, for their hundredth anniversary. Nice. But collaborate with them. That'll be rolling out next year. Um collaboration possibly with Nike and another HBO documentary. So a lot of things are coming, um, God willing, you know, God see it to be. Yes, inshallah. So yes, brother. Brother, you know, once again, man, this has been um, a blessed time, um, a great time. I thank you for your time, your consideration, um, your humility, um, your insights, everything, man. It's really been exciting um, talking with you. And um, with that, man, um, I'm going to say it's a wrap. Okay, man. Thank you, man, for having me. Hey, what's up, y'all? If you or someone you know would like to share their story 
of Prison to Promise here on the Prison to Promise podcast, please hit me up with a quick email at drcraigwaleed at gmail.com. That's D-R-C-R-A-I-G-W-A-L-E-E-D at gmail.com. That's Dr. Craig Waleed at gmail.com. I love to hear from you. Peace.